So I'm curious, what are the things that you have taken from this last year that you would never have done before that have actually turned out to be positive and have changed the shape of your future? Welcome to Lockdown Takeaways with me, Emily Hatfield. I am a women's empowerment coach. For this series, I'm going to be asking people about their lockdown stories and the positive behaviours, learnings and beliefs that have come from this last year. In this episode, I am chatting to another dear friend of mine, Mercedes Pruer. Mer is a high-flying city lawyer who's agreed to share what lockdown has meant for her and the opportunities it has created for her passion for cooking. Welcome, Mer. Hi. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Mer, it's a real pleasure to have you. And what I would like to do is just start by asking you if you can just set the scene for us for what life was like for you before lockdown. In September 2019, after many years of trying for a baby and and having pregnancy losses, I gave birth to my daughter. When I say gave birth, they cut her out, thankfully. (laughs) Me after 10 days trying to push her out. Um, And I, you know, was in the midst of, I guess, figuring out sleep regressions, um, being a mum for the first time was a long long time coming for us so we were very very much enjoying the sleep regression in some ways and the difficulties so we were in a bit of a bubble when lockdown hit and prior to maternity leave I was a full-time cost lawyer working in the city for an international law practice um, and had been working in the city uh, for 20 years Uh, so yeah that was that was our sort of um, situation and then lockdown hit uh, and to be honest, it, it didn't really throw me that much because I was so happy being where I was with my daughter because the years preceding her birth had been so difficult. that I remember saying to my husband, this is not hard compared to what we've been through, you know, because um, in 2014, my dad got diagnosed with terminal cancer and we expedited our wedding. And then he died in 2015. And then a year later, after I felt like I was ready to start trying for a baby and progress my family, we started and then we got pregnant within six months. Then we miscarried. And it was quite a, not not a late miscarriage, but it was towards the end of the 12 weeks we found out, the first trimester. And that was a big blow because we'd seen a heartbeat. And so after dealing with that, took me about six months to get my head around that and then we started trying again got pregnant and then again it was another miscarriage so for the five years preceding my daughter's birth was probably the hardest years of my life to date so when the pandemic hit nothing could take me back to that sort of you know desperation and sadness that I'd experienced in the preceding years and 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 I guess I was better equipped for dealing with what the pandemic was doing because of the experiences I had had up to date. Because, you know, I guess when people were saying, oh, my God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where we're going to go with this. I'd be like, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. You know, because no matter what happens, 
we'll get through this. We'll get through it some way. It might change our lives. You might be a different person at, at, at the end of it. But because of what I'd been through with my dad and the miscarriages, I knew that ultimately looking back on wherever we were after the pandemic or the lockdown, so to speak, life might be different. We might, but we would have adapted and we would have, you know, come out of it finding ways of feeling joy and happiness, but in a different way. And I guess that's that's why the, the first lockdown wasn't as difficult for me, perhaps, as it was for other people, because um, it wasn't that major by comparison to what had happened previously in my life. And also, let's be honest, which, which new mother to a kid of about four or five months gets out of the house more than once a day does anything other than essential shopping when she is out so for me it's just like well frankly if I got out of the house today it was I was winning as a mum you know (laughs) so I remember saying that actually to my husband I said you know I'm not sure I go out more than once a day if that if I get out ever I'm really happy it's just also traumatic trying to get out of the house when you've got a newborn or a six-month-old and making sure you've got everything oh so yeah it wasn't too bad and I did feel the difficulty of not having my mum around as much and I felt the pain of my family more of them not being able to see my daughter because you know it really sort of hit hard my 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 nieces really missed out on those few months with her she did she changed quite dramatically in those few months she went from being like a little floppy thing to practically walking um and uh but I you know I was quite stoic about that myself I was just like I'll be fine we'll see each other soon and things like that but I could see that my mum and my sister and my nieces really struggled with that and you know I come from a big Middle Eastern family an Iranian family it was parties every week seeing each other and I did worry that Katty my daughter it wouldn't have that socialization and I thought oh she's gonna be weird at the end of this she's gonna be some like weird kid um transpires that it's purely genetic and she's completely fine and likes being around other people like her mum and her dad so you know I had nothing to worry about reflecting back over lockdown I just wonder are there any unexpected positives that you have taken away from that chapter the first lockdown was it came and went with me focused on my daughter and focusing on trying to get her into a sleep sort of training which was actually a really positive thing because I thought well you know if I'm not going to be able to go out drinking with all the other mothers <laughs> on Friday down and pretending we're mothering but really drinking Prosecco um, or going to parks and things like with lots of mums sharing our experiences well I might as well throw all my energy into getting this kid sleeping after what was four months of a horrendous sleep pattern in which she was using me as a dummy um, and so that positive came out of it and then during the the lockdown as I towards the end of the lockdown as my maternity leave was coming to an end I started to think about you know what I think a lot of people did which was what was important to us because work had become less of a priority and it was clear that even the people in my firm I worked for the partners were writing lots of bulletins about how lockdown had affected them and what was becoming very apparent was people really liked being at home with their families and and I was just like yeah you know they're right I don't want to work as hard as I used to 
um, because I've got someone else now in my life who, who deserves to have me much more than I probably would have been able to give her if I could be going back to a five five day a week city job like traveling three hours a day and then I started to think about our culture what being Iranian was to me and my daughter being mixed race what what things were important that I passed to her so it gave me a lot of time I think that you know once cutting started sleeping it gave me a lot of time (laughs) you know it wasn't all such a daze and so the last few weeks of those lockdown the first lockdown it really sort of got me into thinking about our future what I wanted to teach my daughter about my background um being that she's half Iranian half English being brought up in in England and with less connection with the Iranian community because of what lockdown had had and I started to to sort of think about well the 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 place that the, the part of Iranian culture that I connect the best with is cooking food. And I started a blog with the intention that the, the, the least, the, the smallest part of this process was that if she had a platform to be able to go to and cook all the recipes that she grew up with and that were important to us as a family, then that was, that was the minimal thing that I would have wanted to achieve and and then it sort of just started from there and it took over my life (laughs) but it was a great distraction you know and the key thing that I've learned in any times of difficulty is distract yourself distract yourself from going down the rabbit hole of thinking too much about what if where are we going why is this happening because um it's not good for you. It's not good for you to think too much about stuff that you ultimately have no control over. Um, so throw your energies, all that thinking energy, which is, you know, the negative thinking energy into something much more positive. And there I was just creating lots of food, getting fatter, um, experimenting on my husband, who's very happy with it all, writing up, learning how to code a website. I never, ever, ever, knew anything about how to create a website and I was literally teaching myself online how to code I was so pleased with myself because you know we were born in the 70s we didn't learn coding at school um and you hear that kids are all learning coding I was like god kids just these days can do it It was really hard (laughs) really hard so yeah I just threw myself into stuff because um I know if I start to think too much about stuff it's really counter productive to me to James and to Cathy you know to my family um and I didn't want to bring everyone down with well having been through the five years I did dealing with loss and mourning I didn't want to go down that route again particularly as I was so happy having my daughter and I focused on that you know you can always focus on the negative if you if you go into a room and you see something you see a room set out if if you keep saying well uh just focus on yellow 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 all you're going to see is yellow aren't you but actually if you look around there's lots of different other colors there as well it's, and that's the thing with negativity if you focus on negativity that's all you're going to see and my husband is a big believer that if you focus on negativity you're just going to attract more and more of it and um and uh, I, I like that ethos to a certain degree you know if you try and be positive if you try and distract yourself if you try and focus on on, on doing something you know, productive, even when the shit hits the fan, um, 
you're better equipped at dealing with it. You know, you're not going to just keep focusing. We go, all right, well, okay, yes, this is shit, but you know what? I've got you, I've got her, I've got my friends, I've got loads of good food to eat. <laughs> you know, I can still shop online. It's just focusing on, on the positive. So this new uh, food blog, which sounds like it began as a sort of hobby during lockdown, a, a distraction for you, it's now taken on a life of its own with over 6,000 followers. Tell me, has food and cooking always been something that you've been passionate about? Food cooking has always been part of me, you know, since I was a kid. It, it is, it's intrinsic to my personality. I don't just you know retain a sufficient layer of cuddle for the hell of it I love food and food loves me you know we we, we have a great relationship one of the most simple and non-judgmental relationships me and food and um and I for many years have been not told by my family oh you should do this you should do that you should get into food and 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 I probably should have at the age of 80 not gone to university and gone and and focused on hospitality of some kind because I think that's probably where my my natural calling vocation is um but because of being a, a second generation Iranian who's born in this country my parents probably weren't prepared to encourage taking that risk and sort of said to my sister and I you need to go and get a professional so my sister uh, get a profession so my sister became a doctor and I became a lawyer and I'm very grateful for that but if now as a second generation my daughter would want to do something that's more talent based for her I would probably be a little less you know I'd be I'd probably be less risk averse than my parents were but that was the right thing for them to do because they didn't couldn't give us the financial backing that we can give our children um so it's always been part of me it's always you know I've always been someone that is very comfortable in the kitchen and I mean I mean not not that I've ever taken anyone seriously until this point until the last point but everyone always used to say you know your food's amazing the way you put stuff together is really extraordinary and even my friend Nana who's who's very well-known vegetarian cook would, would always say you know you've got a talent you just put stuff together and it works you just don't really hear it you say are you just saying that um and so when I put this blog out and started doing stuff and started writing up the recipes, when people started to respond to it, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe they're not talking, you know, shit. And they're being right and they're not just being nice to me. So that kind of gave me more motivation to go on further. Um, but you know what? You still kind of take these things with a bit of pinch of salt at the end of the day. You can have 6,000 followers on, on Instagram, but it's really easy to follow someone. You just press click, you know what I mean? It doesn't really mean any investment in me. It's like my pictures. Um, I mean, it'd be wonderful if, if everybody was cooking the food I do, but the majority of them are just like, it's like, what is it? Eye candy, not eye candy, but it's, it's, it's nice to look at, isn't it? Someone puts a nice dish up, they're like, like, but really... You know, it is unfortunately a popularity contest, these things, aren't they? And I think as you get older, you, you see it for what it is in some ways, which is, does it really mean anything? There's no real substance to it in some respect until, you know, that, those 6,000 followers are literally cooking your food, all of them, but the majority of them aren't. I get lovely messages on the blog saying, I've been cooking this since April, since you first posted it. It's so lovely. And you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, Um so I do, I, I, I'm, I'm not putting my achievement down at all. It, it is a huge achievement, actually. I'm, I, you know, let's be more masculine about this. Let's be more masculine <laughs> about this, right? 
I've managed to rear a child in the period, deal with the lockdown, go back to work full time and deal with a really heavy caseload and do a blog, learn how to code and still cook food. So, yeah, I'm not going to put myself down. I've done really well. But at the same time, I'm not going to take stock or, you know, walk away thinking that, that you know, this means everything to me at the end of the day. Um, the, the real intention is to get those recipe down down for my family and also for people who might be interested in cooking the kind of food that I cook and and if they want it I mean obviously if a book deal comes along or you know Saturday morning kitchen wants me to present for them then I bite their hand off but um and actually I'd really like to have Greg Wallace's job which is basically just going around eating food and saying that is delicious (laughs) you know flavor and things like that but I mean ultimately um my, my primary role, other than mother and wife, is a costs lawyer. And that, that's what feeds the family. That is really where the bills are paid. So that has to be my priority. But if something evolves out of what was a bit of a hobby, a little bit of fun, and has evolved every step of the way, then wonderful. If it could completely subsume my my uh my expenditure outwards and 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 pay for my living the fantastic I, w- I would be quite happy to say goodbye to the city and cost law and just sit writing recipes and becoming the Iranian Mary Berry that'd be great what I'm really interested in is do you think that your um success would have been the same had you launched outside of this pandemic no, I don't think it would have come out, possibly. I think it would always have been a little bit of a dream. I think what happened during the pandemic, because, you know, it, it, suddenly everyone got on Instagram, on social media, because it was the only way you could connect, really. And, and you know, things like Clubhouse appeared, which I didn't know much about, but there was just like these forums that you could go and talk on. And suddenly it's the way that human beings need some form of contact. They need social contact, even the most unsocial of us, even the ones who think we don't want to be around people. And that's what was really interesting, actually. You know, we've got a few people I know that I work with who who would probably be described on the um, Myers-Briggs thing as um, introverted more than extroverted. And amazingly enough the, the the team members that I know or people I work with the more introverted people wanted to be back in the office than the extroverted people which just goes to show doesn't it you know um that we need it yeah and and I think what comes from that as well is a lot of the unsaid security you get from just being near people and being yeah. close to people and actually it's not just about words yeah it's about proximity and I think what has been fascinating you know I I've spoken to um a number of single friends that have lived alone during the pandemic and actually the reality of touch not being touched by anybody Mm. you know it's not always a verbal connection we need how do you think lockdown has shaped your future I think it's been another challenge in my life that um, I have dealt with, you know, the best I can. Now, the first lockdown, I, you know, I said wasn't as as wasn't hard. But I did find the the winter lockdown one a little bit harder because Kathleen was at nursery. 
So I wasn't distracted by her. I was sitting in front of work, computer. The, the weather was miserable. You didn't want to go out because it was either cold or raining. And, you know, the corona curves came on with a lot of kiloage there, my thighs. I, I looked more like a mum than I did at the end of maternity leave, which was just like very, all very kind of like, ooh, like this. Um, but I knew it would be over. So even though it was tougher, I knew it would come to an end in one way or another, or at least the sun would shine and the sun would come. So, you know, that's what I've sort of learned from this. I think I've learned most of all that life is going to be challenging, particularly when you become an adult, because, you know, your parents aren't there to cushion you or protect you or to make things better And you've, in the way that, you know, I do with my daughter she falls down she just points at her knee expecting a kiss on that knee kind of thing you know you have to deal with it it's all very real and then you're responsible for the well-being of someone else like you know kids if you've got them um and what it's taught me is that this won't be the last challenge that I face um it wasn't the hardest challenge that I face in my my adulthood um it certainly won't be the last um but I'm, I'm ready for whatever the world has to throw to me. Just enjoy it because you don't know what life is going to throw at you. you. You mentioned that during the lockdown and during this pandemic, you've used, you've had time to reflect on things. What would you say have been the biggest learnings that you have found about yourself? I've realised that I'm very resilient. Um, that even though things have knocked me down I've I've been able to get up and and do stuff I realized that I'm actually not prone to severe mental health issues because I've never had to take any medicine for it and I've never been so you know incapacitated by it that I've had to I can't even get up from bed so I realize how incredibly lucky I am that um my mental health issues that I've had to deal with with whatever's knocked me down are probably less severe than some people have to deal with because I've never been I suppose on in that sort of uh, description of clinical depression or anything I've never had to take anything like that so um but despite that, it, it's taught me to empathise more with other people who have all types of, you know, it's, it's like a spectrum, isn't it? Some people, uh, I would say I was towards the other end of the spectrum. Things knock me down and I feel terrible, but they don't subsume me so much that I can't function. But I've realised, you know, at the points of my, my darkest days, those moments when I have thought have had thoughts that were very dark but pulled myself out of it that there are people that can't escape those dark thoughts and I, and, and that has made me really empathetic towards towards people um I remember actually and, I, and, I, and it's not something I, I've I've often told people but I remember in the the worst moment of dealing with my dad's sort of year that he was basically just dying in front of us his decline it was so emotionally charged it was so incredibly difficult my mum fell apart through it that I remember driving 
back from my my place in London to go and see my dad. It was just like we'd have to go back and forth. I'd have to go back to work on the Monday and then drive back to um, my parents' home to help them because my dad ended up having a stroke. So he got he, he couldn't move his left part of his body. So he was completely wheelchair bound. So it was just it was it was a real physical and mental toll on all of us. And I remember just, you know, with all those emotions going through her, just driving and just think, God, you know, and feeling the darkness, overwhelm, overwhelming darkness, thinking, God, you know, for, you just keep turning the wheel and turning the wheel until I just go off the motorway and I don't know where I'd go, but ultimately go straight into either the ditch or the metal barriers. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe I thought that. I cannot believe that in order to escape this feeling, um, I'm contemplating driving myself off a motorway. And that really sort of almost pulled me back into the thought pattern of what the, and that that really was probably my my darkest moment. And then I, I just keep thinking that there are some people who can't come away from that and that's constantly there through them. And whatever it is, whether this pandemic has created that for them, because it, it could have been that the pandemic could have been their thing that really rocked them. Because up to that point, you know, they they'd not had had that challenge. And the pandemic is extremely particular. Like you see it in young people, like sort of teenagers, they've been really affected by the pandemic, you know, cut them off from everyone that they were close to at a time when all they want to do is be with other kids, you know. They don't want to hang around with their parents that much. It's different between the ages of one to 13. You know, kids are like, yay, mom, dad. But those teenagers, and you just think, you know that's the biggest challenge they have but at the end of the day if that big challenge has come in now the positive way of looking at it is that it, it's probably made them more resilient for future things because we can't escape stuff like this we can't you know you can't live in a feathered nest we try we try for our kids but actually you're probably doing them a disservice protecting them too much I mean obviously you want to protect them from pain and things like that but you know sooner or later we're going to have challenges and in some ways it's best to be equipped for them early on as opposed to later all I keep thinking about after you know after I lost my dad is uh, of all the people and we know we know we know a, a friend of ours lost their parent when they were very young and I think good lord you know I struggled at the age of 35 and you think of all those young kids who've lost parents you know, when they're teenagers or younger or even in their 20s. And I just think that was the biggest thing in my life. I think that was the first biggest, biggest challenge other than, you know, the odd heart, like broken heart from a boyfriend, a boyfriend cheating on me. That was, they were hard. But loss, bereavement and a parental loss is massive. I think no matter what age it happens at. Do you think if somebody had said to you at the time when you were going through during that five years, and you were having your dark days, that this is going to be a platform for you, for recognition of your strength for the rest of your life. What do you think your response to that would have been at the time? No, I, th I think I would have believed them. I think I would have agreed with them, you know, because I was probably adult enough and, and fairly experienced enough to know that, even in the darkest days when you think am I so far changed that I'm never going to be the person I was before um I I, I I felt that there was going to be a point that it would 
not be as hard definitely and that it, it would give me strength and because I'd seen you know my mum had lost her parents she had lost her two closest siblings by the time we lost my dad so I'd seen how she had recovered from it and I knew it was possible I knew that people do get back to their own lives um, but forever changed you know you are changed and and um, but I you know I never thought realistically that this was it this that I was always going to be in a pit of hell even though I thought I, at times I was like oh my god am I ever gonna like is, is this the only thing I'm gonna feel for the rest but you know deep down you know that's not true you know and I think one, one of the better ways I've, I've described it in the past is you come out of it all out of the ether, out of the, the 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 darkness, whatever it is, and then slowly, little by little, you find a way of reconnecting with the world. But as this new, almost reborn person, if that makes sense, you are not the person you were because the world that you are now connecting with in a situation where you may have lost someone you love is a different world because that person is not part of it. So there was me before my father died and me after my father died. You know, different things um ha- make me happy by comparison you know because my concept of happiness had to be recreated without my father being in it anymore you know and 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 it's a different world without him it is but in that world you know I've grown my own family and my mum has become a very different person from it all since she's lost my dad we we've moved on but we're different because he's not part of that concept anymore we are we've almost we're a new we're a new family structure um so yeah I knew I knew it was possible at the time I knew that we would be um out of it eventually but and that we would find strength from it but I knew it would be a long time coming not quite as long as I expected but, you know I suppose if I'd had Kathleen earlier I might have um, it might have had a much more positive effect I think uh, you know the, the length of it was perpetuated by the fact that then I had two miscarriages which was like for fuck's sake how many more lessons do I need to learn here? how much more resilience do I need have I not proved it to you world come on give me a break you know it's just like yeah and I could, I suppose I could have gone down a road with the pandemic, which is, oh, my God. And, and actually, my husband said today, for fuck's sake, you know, because we, we've had something else that might is a bit challenging. And, and he was like, well, fuck, you know, what have we had, you know, other than Katoon over the last X amount of years? What have we had that hasn't been challenging? And I said, yeah, but she makes up for it all, doesn't she? For me, it was just very handy to have something <laughs> my daughter to throw all the positivity in but if she hadn't have come along I'm pretty sure I would have found something else. I think it's really important actually in listening to you what really comes up for me is also an awareness that we have of the strengths that we have in our bank and then mm. the strengths that we have in our bank that have carried us through this last year and that will be there for what lies ahead. And for me, listening to the stories like yours and like the other guests that I've spoken to, it's just realizing there seems to be a theme that actually from some of the darkest times in life, we've been equipped for for this season. And there's been an awareness around the lessons that have come 
from those times that actually had we not been forced to stop and reflect on what we have in our bank of tools, would we have known that about ourselves? No, that's that's spot on. And one of the things that I think has been very useful to, to, to making difficult times easier is that part of the difficulty comes because you are resisting the change. So if let let it wash over you, let yourself feel miserable if you need to, let yourself feel sorry for yourself, whatever it is, do what you need to do, but let it come in. Mourn whatever it is, whether you're mourning the pandemic or not being able to see your family, just let it come through. And as soon as you start to stop resisting that change, then you're ready to move on. And that for me is very important because that is where the difficulty comes with anything is that we, we, we don't like change. We don't like change as human beings. And as soon as you get past that, um, things become easier and then you can make hay while the sun shines. I think it's going to be interesting to see how our generation's children cope with change as a concept in comparison to say ours will they be more flexible a more flexible generation will they be you know less what I've noticed in my children and my awareness is that my children don't need as much as they used to you know we used to wake up at a weekend and it would be like what are we doing today I really haven't heard that question (laughs) for a long time they just got used to the fact that nothing we're not doing you know what our kids are probably being brought up to a very similar way that we were brought up there wasn't that much on offer back in the 80s and 70s and 90s you know we had only like four channels on telly I mean good lord Uh, when you went out there wasn't ipads and iphones I'm really old don't I yeah Yeah, it was there you want to call someone you sat with your phone like you cord with a cord and if you were lucky enough to have a cordless phone you could walk around your house and things like that but you know you'd, that's what life was like you didn't have to, oh, you didn't have to take pictures of yourself and do selfies it was just you were a normal kid it was it was quite cool yeah. um and I think kids are probably it's probably better for us that we don't have so much variety I think part of the reason I mean this is going off on tangent but part of the reason women were getting married having children later and it's just this this whole concept of variety options and you still came back to the same position you were five years ago when you thought you had so many options and things like that and probably ended up marrying the person that you first fancied five years ago that you did all the other people you did. I mean I married the guy that I met when I was 20. I was gonna say this uh, is your story Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just after all that, you know, I met him when I was 20 years old, fancied him from afar for 10 years, got together with him 32, and, you know, I thought, God, if we hadn't wasted all this time, we'd probably have about five children. But... Matt, it's yeah. such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much oh, for yeah. sharing your story with us. Anytime. Anytime. One thing I ask all my guests, and as this is a food theme, um, I know you'll like this question, but i like to know what was your actual favorite lockdown takeaway lockdown takeaway I think it was discovering a new Syrian restaurant actually takeaway during lockdown there the Syrian restaurant opened up um and it was it's not too dissimilar to Lebanese food like um 
uh, if you haven't eaten Syrian food, but it was just delicious. I was so happy. I mean, obviously anything with kebabs in it, I'm over the moon with being Middle Eastern, but yeah. The, the best thing that I discovered were these home kits, the restaurant kit, you know, not takeaways, but you, you, they are takeaways, but you cook their meals at home. And um, one of the best was Dishoom's bacon roll naan they do. Oh, yeah. Anything, actually, anybody from all these restaurants that you, they, you cook yourselves, but you get that quality food from that restaurant, a very good restaurant at that. I ate a lot of them during lockdown, it has to be said. Um, uh, Ma, I know that everyone will want to find out the name of your blog and your account. So can you just tell people if they want to find you, where do they find your delicacies? Right, so um, you can find me on Instagram uh, on Saffron and Herbs. Um, or alternatively, I have a blog, which is www.saffronandherbs.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful yeah. day. And you, babe.